0: He rules the world, we just sang. Those words from that song come from the Psalms. One of them is Psalm 97. So I invite you to uh, open your Bibles. We're going to look at two Scripture passages. First, Psalm 97. And then uh, the rest of the Christmas story from Luke 2. The last part that the boys and girls didn't read for us. So first, Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Fire goes before Him and consumes His foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim His righteousness, and all the peoples see His glory. All who worship images are put to shame, those who boast in idols. Worship Him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of Your judgments, O Lord, For you, O Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for He guards the lives of His faithful ones and delivers them from the hands of the wicked. Light is shed upon the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise His holy name. Then let's turn to Luke 2, the last part of the Christmas story, beginning with verse 8 through verse 14, the message of the angels. Luke 2, beginning with verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts Appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Do you have a favorite Christmas special? Of all the TV programs that have been produced to talk about Christmas, is there one that you like? Above the others, Uh, for some, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Partly because I think at the end, Linus actually recites the story from Luke 2 on television, broadcast all across the nation, used to be, and you just sort of pinch yourself and go, look at this, this is on TV, they're reading the Bible. It's the Christmas story. It's amazing. Or others like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That abominable snow monster scared the willies out of me when I was a kid. One of my favorites, though, was always how the Grinch stole Christmas. The Grinch evidently so hated Christmas that he was determined to stop it from coming. So he concocted this plan and he stole all the elements of Christmas from the Who's down in Whoville. And he sat up on that mountaintop, on Christmas Day, waiting for what would happen next. And what happened next completely surprised him. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice-cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled until his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. You think? That's an understatement. Christmas has nothing to do with what you find in a store. Christmas has to do with this deep, mysterious reality that we're celebrating today, that God came into this world in person, in the person of His Son Jesus, in the person of a baby, the most unusual story that no one would ever have be able, been able to concoct on their own. It's, it's amazing. And it's true. And his coming changed everything. But that truth isn't always so apparent to everybody. Just like the truth that the psalmist states in Psalm 97 was not apparent to everybody. Let's read verse 1, Psalm 97 together out loud. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. The Psalms, the 150 Psalms, are divided into five books, if you've never noticed. Groupings of Psalms, book 1, book 2, book 3. Book 3 is all about the Babylonian exile. It's a very sad chapter in the Psalms. And then in book four, you find Psalm 97, sort of a counterpunch to what was just talked about, this sadness and doom and gloom of exile in Babylon. And all of a sudden, the psalmist heralds, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Wow, that sort of came out of nowhere. That certainly didn't seem to be the case, and yet the psalmist is certain that it's true. The Lord reigns even though people don't see it. Didn't seem like God reigned in their world. Doesn't seem like God reigns in our world, does it? And yet, Psalm 96 says, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. That's the background of joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her what? Her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing. Nature singing is what the psalmist was talking about. The Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. The sun rises and sets every day and the seasons are utterly predictable. Why? Because the Lord reigns. And He made it that way. This description of God's glory in this psalm with clouds and darkness, fire and lightning, remind us of other times God revealed Himself to His people. It draws us back to Exodus chapter 19 when those same words and descriptions describe the top of Mount Sinai as God Himself descended on the mountain to visit with Moses and to give his people his commandments. And then the cloud, the Shekinah glory of God in the cloud descended on the temple that Solomon built to fill it with the presence of God. And then again in Luke 2, we find it where these angels appear to the shepherds and this glory of God is on display and it terrifies the human beings who get to see it. These displays of God's glory, though, are, they're so short, they're so limited. They don't last very long and not very many people actually saw it. But they displayed a timeless truth. The Lord reigns, even though people don't see it. Something similar happens in the Christmas story in Luke 2. After Jesus is born in Bethlehem, this angel appears to the shepherds to announce the good news of Jesus' birth, and then let's read together out loud what happens next. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This was Jesus' earthly coronation ceremony. This was it. This was the ceremony where the angels all appeared and announced to the world, here is your king. Dun-da-da-da! It was amazing. What other earthly king has ever had angel choirs show up at their coronation ceremony? Nobody. Just the infant born in Bethlehem which makes this so remarkable. And yet, Jesus came somewhat disguised, which is probably why so few people recognized it, recognized him for who he was. Philippians 2 said he left the glories of heaven. So, in spite of the paintings that show this heavenly glow around the Christ child, we all know that really wasn't true. There was no heavenly glow around baby Jesus. He was born as a human being just as we are, the Scripture says, but without sin. Yet, His own people didn't recognize Him or receive Him as their King. In John 1, we read, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Jesus came even though they didn't receive Him. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Anyone ever been to Bethlehem? If you've been there, I've been there, you realize something that isn't told in the Scripture story about Bethlehem, but it was the place where Herod the Great built a massive fortress and palace called the Herodium. Herod essentially commanded workers to shave off the tops of all the surrounding hills and to add it to one tall hill. That's the hill. You can see how enormously tall it is. And on the top of that hill, you can't see it now because it's rubble. But that's what it used to look like. He built this massive fortress and palace on the top, only five miles south of Jerusalem. So if anything ever got ugly for King Herod, and he was always a bit paranoid of that, He could jump on a horse and he could be to his fortress within minutes. And he could be safe. So when the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced the good news of the king, they did it in the shadow of the Herodium. And I wonder if the shepherds even wondered, you're telling us a king has been born, but it's pretty obvious to all of us who is king. It's King Herod. He's the guy that lives in the palace up there. It's not this little baby. And yet, that's what the angels said. So it was a little bit in disguise to see Jesus for who He was. And what brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem? Do you remember the story? The edict of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, He ruled the world, to use the words from Joy to the World. His rule and reign made Herod the Great look very puny by comparison. He was the king. Everybody moved all around the world because he said it was time for a census to be taken. And everybody went, including Mary and Joseph. Who really was king? Who really is Lord? It wasn't obvious to the people in Jesus' day. Even the religious leaders didn't recognize Jesus as their king. In fact, they thought he was a blasphemous imposter. They thought he was from Nazareth. They probably didn't know the history, that he was actually born in Bethlehem, just like the prophecy said. So, they conspired to have him killed. And then even John the Baptist, that funny little story in the Gospels, when John the Baptist sends messengers to Jesus saying, Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we be waiting for someone else? Are you really the king? Because you don't act like the king. If you're really the king, why am I still in jail? If you're really the king, when are the fireworks going to start? When are the wicked going to be punished? When are the evil rulers going to be toppled from their thrones? When are the Romans going to be kicked out? When is it going to start? Well, he didn't know that that all is going to happen at Jesus' second coming. The power, the glory, the toppling from thrones, His rule and reign over the world. We're still waiting for that. But He came in the person of Jesus to begin that work of opening the doors of heaven to sinners who trust in Jesus. People like us. So Jesus came. He was the King of all kings, but people didn't receive Him. Maybe you feel like that sometimes. We make all of this hoopla about Christmas, Jesus being born at Christmas, and yet it seems like the world just continues on. And evil people continue to do evil things just the same. What difference did Jesus' coming really make, a cynic might wonder? Made a tremendous difference. In my heart, in your heart, the world isn't perfect, but there's a beachhead in my heart of light and life and joy because Jesus has come. Things aren't perfect in my world. Things aren't perfect in your world. But something has changed. And that's going to change forever when he returns. So, Psalm 97 Declaring the Lord reigns, the angels in Luke 2 doing something similar. In spite of everything going on around us, they proclaim the king has come and he reigns. In other words, Jesus Christ is Lord, even though it doesn't always seem like it. In fact, in many ways, it seems like the darkness in our world is getting deeper There's two wars raging, and our country is indirectly involved in both. There's increasing polarization in our culture with more and more angry people about angry and protesting things, it seems. We as a country are in greater debt than ever before. It's becoming dangerously unsustainable for us. There's this lack of belief in absolute truth that has been true on university campuses for decades now. There's no truth. There's this your truth and my truth. And now that's somehow morphed into intelligent people not even being able to tell the difference between a man and a woman. And you have to pinch yourself and you go, Really? Really? Seems like people have lost their minds. And worst of all, More and more people have abandoned faith in God. The Lord reigns, the psalmist heralds. But who really believes that that's true anymore? Fewer and fewer, it seems. Seems like the devil's alive and well. But, but, in spite of all that darkness, here are the words of Scripture. The Lord reigns. Let the distant shores rejoice. Jesus has come. Glory to God in the highest, the angel announces. He's come to save and redeem this world. He's come to bring light into our darkness. He's come to fix this mess that we've gotten ourselves into once and for all. He is Lord. Even though it doesn't always seem like it. The day is coming when every eye will see it and it will seem like it. Trust me. But if all of this is true and Jesus Christ has come and He is Lord of all and He reigns and He is the world's one true King, then what, what is our response to that? The shepherds went and saw this thing that the angel told them about. They got to see the Christ child. What are we supposed to do? Seems to me that the Magi show us the way. Different part of the Christmas story from Matthew's Gospel. But do you remember what the Magi did when they first arrived and saw Jesus? We're told in Matthew 2. Let's read it together. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. So, what did they do first? They bowed down and worshiped. They bowed down and worshiped him. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of us joining together and waking up on a Christmas morning and singing our praise to Him like we've done already today. It's appropriate for us to get down on our knees before the King of Kings and to surrender to His rule and worship Him as the Lord of all. Worship, adoration, praise is always appropriate, reminding us of who we are in the presence of greatness. But after worshiping him, what did they do next? They offered him their gifts. For them, it was gold and frankincense and myrrh, things we're not always so familiar with. But we've offered Jesus our gifts this morning. We put money in the offering plate, perhaps. And as we offer our gifts, whether it's money or time or talent or treasure, it's always a symbol of offering ourselves. We're basically saying, God, here I'm I. You can have this little bit of money I'm giving you, but really what I want to offer you is me. You can have me. I will be yours now and forever because you are king and I gladly and willingly will do what you ask me to do because you are my Lord and king. And he's a good king. He's a wise king. So, it's a good thing for us to be able to surrender voluntarily to Jesus and say, Lord, have your way in me. Have your way in me. Your way is way better than mine. So, every day, Lord Jesus, live in me. Let your life and joy be seen in me. Allow people to see you in me. Christ has come. He lives in your heart and in mine today. We eagerly obey and carry out His orders. Because today we lift our voices and we praise the King of all kings. He's the one who's come. He's the one who's coming back. He will drive out all the darkness once and for all. He will fix everything that is wrong and He will bring peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest. Let's pray. Lord, today is a day we celebrate and we declare a truth that has changed our lives and has changed the course of this world. Light has come. Joy has come. There is a peace in our hearts that would not be there if you had not come. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There is good news to share today. Jesus has come. So, Lord Jesus, we invite You to come into our hearts. Lord, there may be those who have not yet invited You to come and rule and reign in their hearts. And Lord, today's the day we just surrender to You. And we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come and live in Me. Come and have Your way in Me. My life is going to be so much better if I stop doing what I want and start doing what you want. Rule and reign in all of our hearts. Rule and reign in our world, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we we await that day when you will come back. We eagerly anticipate that day because so many things need to be changed. So many wrongs need to be righted and you are the one who is going to come and do it. So all of our hope is pinned on You. And we invite You to come. Come again with glory, with Your angels, with Your Holy One, and redeem our lives and this world once and for all. We pray it in Your great and holy name and all of God's people say, Amen.